I give thanks that I learned the holiness of the earth when I was in my 20s. I was living in San Francisco, and friends and I would frequently go camping in Yosemite. We would spend the days hiking trails immersed in the natural beauty of the surrounding valley. The redwood trees, majestic rock formations, alpine meadows, and the splendor of cascading falls. In the evening, we would return to our campground exhausted, crawl into our pup tents, and sleep on the earth. For me, waking up to the sounds of earth activity and seeing the morning sunlight streaming through the trees or sometimes rain falling has a calming effect. It quiets the mind and allows the soul to be open to the divine. When life changes brought me to this part of the country, I hadn't been in a church for years, and a friend encouraged me to come to First Parish. On the Sunday morning when I walked into this sanctuary, the Tree of Life banner was hanging behind the pulpit in a church. And on the program, there was a familiar quotation by Alice Walker. It read, I knew if I cut a tree, my arm would bleed. I sat here thinking I've never heard of Unitarian or Universalist, but this just might be a spiritual home for me and my son. Since I believe that the divine lies in nature, I wanted to ensure that my son would have the opportunity to make this discovery for himself. So every summer, I took him and one of his friends on camping trips throughout New England. Not only was it a lot of fun, but I knew that earth knowledge knowledge would be a good anchor for him. But my very first camping trips with my young son were at Ferry Beach, and there's a sacred memory of earth holiness that I've held in my heart for many years. We were camping in the grove, and our tent site was next to the outdoor chapel. Awakened early by the birds, I unzipped a window to look at the trees. Lying on the earth, sleeping child at my side, and looking up into the tall pines. And then I heard the choir singing, Morning Has Broken. The musicians had come to the chapel before breakfast to rehearse for the Sunday service. I thought the earth remembered me. She took me back so tenderly, arranging her dark skirts, her pockets full of lichens and seeds. Blessed be. Gaia, the Gaia hypothesis, the Gaia path. We hear a lot about Gaia these days. If you Google Gaia, that makes me laugh, Google Gaia, most of the highlighted links you find are to Gaia-related companies and products rather than to the great goddess herself. In Greek mythology, Gaia was considered to be the archetypal mother goddess, the source of the very universe, 
She created the earth and everything in it, all plants and creatures, including ourselves, our very being, our humanness, our feelings. As Unitarian Universalists, we sometimes enjoy considering what one writer has called the God delusion, but we all have deeply held feelings of hope, love, gratitude, awe, and darker feelings as well, anxieties and fears, which all seem to well up from a place of mystery, a sacred source. In the Unitarian Universalist curriculum called Cakes for the Queen of Heaven, participants consider a timeline representing human artifacts from the oldest known objects to the present. This timeline shows that for most of human history, tens of thousands of years, art objects created by our ancient ancestors, primarily sculptures and drawings carved into stone, are female figures, often generously endowed, and preserved by placement in protected places. Of course, we know virtually nothing of these early artists, except that they revered the maternal presence, saved and celebrated her. As human beings, we love to name things, to know why things are the way they are. When it comes to naming the holy, we can see from the prehistoric record that creating images of the mysterious sacred that giving the source a name and face is as old a quest as the human family. My own interest in defining the sacred began early on. As a teen, I wondered why we, Methodists, called the divine presence our Father. Why did we have to assign gender to the holy, about whom we had virtually no tangible knowledge? And yet, I had to admit, even then, that the idea of the Great Mother was appealing. This figure, sitting beside our chalice today, is a maze mother, a gift from our first parish sexton and, and sacristan, Doug Baker, who found her years ago in a plowed field in Ohio. She is a mysterious and tangible connection with an ancient sculptor who created this evocative image. For what? As a sacred icon of the holy? As a prayer for peaceful times? She is certainly a sister to so many ancient female images, small enough to hold comfortably in one's hand, to stand in a small corner, to tuck into a pouch or pocket when it came time to move, or to plant into a hill of seed corn with prayers for a bountiful harvest. When we see the changing seasons and cycles of the earth, we are reminded of those similar cycles in our own lives, from gestation and birth through old age and death, the cycle of life, and our brief presence in Gaia's great chain of being. For me, the phrase, living in the lap of the goddess, is deeply appealing and comforting. The metaphoric comfort and protection of a wise and ageless maternal presence the Gaia path. Inside my analytical adult self, awed and delighted by the elegant complexities of the universe, lives my intuitive child, exploring, discovering, wondering. Wondering, where do all my garbage and my recycling really end up? 
Do those lights need to be on? What happens to the chemicals in my cleaning products after they go down the drain? This creature whose flesh I'm eating right now, what kind of life did it lead? What resources did it consume? What about my car exhaust, my thermostat setting? What industry am I supporting when I buy this product? Do my actions reflect my best intentions? Am I a responsible steward of Gaia, our only home? What can I do is a question we must each answer for ourselves based on our conscience, will, and determination. My own practice involves observing my actions, considering their long-term consequences, and addressing any dissonances. It is an often uncomfortable practice of soul-searching and compromise, but it is moving me toward a more honest and rational approach to living respectfully on the earth. I'm sure that now that I've shared this with you, some of you will be happy to help me notice things I do inconsistent with my intentions. I sincerely welcome comments and the discussions which will undoubtedly ensue. This is certainly a practice worth pursuing in community. I invite and welcome you to join me in my practice for the next hour or for a lifetime. Pay close attention to what you are doing moment by moment. Consider how your action multiplied by billions might affect our Mother Earth for the generations of life yet to come. Let your reflections enlighten your future actions. Repeat. It may be that your actions tip the balance toward a future we would all like to see. So may it be, and blessed be.